Welcome to this week's episode of Unfortunately Required Reading. This week we are reading Hamlet by William Shakespeare. Willie shakes a pair. Shakes a pair. That was, everyone loved that meme for some reason and I think I hate myself for it. I kind of loved you for it. So. Okay, that's fair. So the alternate title to this episode is to read or not to read. That is the question. I mean, read it. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's long, but it's not bad. So this week I decided that we should make this cocktail called Sweet Poison. And um, it straight up looks like poison. It looks like, uh, do you know like the swamp and swamp thing? Yeah. It's like someone drug a glass through that. Or like if someone put Maleficent through a meat grinder. <laughs> and extracted her essence. That was a that was an image I didn't want. It was an image that exactly I needed. Uh, so Tori, in her infinite wisdom, decided let's go tiki for this. Okay, because there's poison in this book, so, and also because we so have the ingredients. So we're drinking <laughs> suntan lotion. Ooh, it does smell like suntan lotion. Oh, Here for it. Let's try it. I put worse things in my mouth. Yeah, it's not bad. It's actually really nice. It's tropical, it's just not pretty. It reminds me of uh, being on a carnival cruise. Yes. This feels like a drink that you would get like on a carnival cruise. I'm okay with that. Hopefully a little bit prettier, though. If I if I received this on a cruise, I would leave the boat. I would disembark. I was going to say, would you get on like one of the emergency like side boat things and I be would. like, peace out, bitches, I'm lowering myself into the water. I mean, I wouldn't get very far, but I'd sure try. Okay, tell me about this cheese. So we're eating Havarti because... Hamlet is set in Denmark, uh, and Havarti is a Danish cheese. It's actually one of my favorite cheeses. Uh, fun fact, this is one of the four cheeses that goes in my mac and cheese recipe. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a good melter. It's delicious, too. So. And we have our uh, favorite bread, which is the fight me loaf. The fight me loaf. You know what we need to do? We need to get this and the Irish fight me cheese. Oh, my gosh. Putting them together. It is almost St. Patrick's Day. I was going to say we're getting pretty close. We might have to get the Irish fight me cheese. Tori's wish has finally come true. We get the Irish fight me cheese. We just fight all day long. Oh, drink, God. Drink, 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 fight. What? Read James Joyce, I guess. Oh, God. Why do you want to hurt yourself? I mean, we have a fight me cheese and a fight me loaf. Okay. The, I was that pretentious bastard who sat on a plane going to Ireland while reading Ulysses. Oh, you would. Yeah. Yeah. If it helps, I was the pretentious bastard correcting a tour guides at Castle New Schwanstein. Yeah, I can see you doing that. I 100% did that. You also, I remember when we went to the funeral museum, you were teaching people about Pope deaths, so that was pretty cool. I got to teach a group of old church ladies about anti-popes. And they thought that was really cool. They they did. We also have a plethora of tiny swords. So, (laughs) I thought I was ordering the 100-count box on Amazon. Uh, Lo and behold, a 1,000-count box shows up at my house. So we are pretty much set on little tiny black cocktail swords for the rest of eternity. Can we make a tiny iron throne? Oh my gosh, yes we can. <laughs> oh, this now is, we know what we're doing with all of these. I think this is genuinely the happiest I've ever seen, Tori. Do you see, I'm just going to like clean them off and recycle them. and then We be also like, have like 900 downstairs still. That's true. I don't even think we used 100 for this. I think we have like 980. Anyway, this this uh, fight me loaf I can say is absolutely delicious with this cheese because I was being a brat and eating it before we you started. You are being a brat. Like, fun fact: we have a pre-show that we still don't really know what to do. Uh, if you are one of our sponsors, please let us know if this is something that you would like to hear our unfettered and uncensored thoughts, uh, or if this is like a perk that you would like in our as we continue to mull around like Patreon stuff like that. If these like intimate air quotes conversations that you would like to hear i mean intimate isn't personal it's true you know so what happens is amanda and i talk on messenger all day long all the time well we've been kind of quiet lately just because we're both doing work stuff yeah like we're busy like it's not (laughs) it's nothing personal um but then we see each other like every two weeks and go oh my gosh i feel like i haven't seen you forever and then we talk about random pop culture stuff for like 15 20 minutes yeah, I mean, I think that comes with the whole thing of, like, actually being friends in real life. Yeah. But, like, it's good. I like, I like spending it. time with you. I like spending time with you, too. <laughs> when I can, when I can, because I can't drag you out of the house. I'm getting better about it. You I'm are. getting better about it. I went to the Russian market by myself. <gasps> you could have mm-hmm. called. I know. I need to bring you. It's amazing. Okay. Because I was like, I'm going to go in there and do recon and uh-huh. see if, like, if this is a terrifying Russian market 
or if this is like really clean and cool. And it was super cool. And the lady who runs it is really, really nice. Okay. And there was a very angry Slavic woman who was in there complaining about all of her lifestyle choices. And it made me so happy. Uh-huh. And also I, I got to hear Russian radio say, Dobre utro, and I got really excited about it. Um, but there is this soda that is like tarragon and vanilla and it's bright green and it kind of looks like something you would find in Chernobyl, but it's really good. Okay. And evidently that's big in that whole area because my friend is Armenian and she's like, oh no. Because there is no joy? So you need to have an herb soda? You teach yourself to have joy in small things. They also have a lot of candy. I do like candy. I I didn't dare with the caviar or the dried fish yet. I do love caviar. I was a little worried my husband would disown me if I came in with like the dried sturgeon and started chewing that. But why? Because it smells really bad when you take it out of the package. Do we need to like the surströming challenge? No, we do not. We don't? No. Okay. Okay. So I know what it is because I watched that Texas dude on uh-huh. YouTube open it up and uh-huh. like destroy his car with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's like a canned fit, rotted fish kind of thing, right? So surströming, as we don't talk about this book. Oh. We'll get there. Give is a, a uh, fermented kind of rotten fish thing from Sweden. So we're adjacent. And it is considered to be over durian as one of the worst smells on earth. Oh god. But under Hakarl. I don't know what Hakarl is. It is ammonia ridden rotted shark from Iceland. Oh the rot shark. Okay. <laughs> like it's your friend the rot shark. No, I watched that guy Adam whatever eat some of that. I'm really bad with names today. Andrew Zimmern? Andrew Zimmerman Okay. Adam Please no. Yeah. Oh no, that's Adam ruins everything. Sorry. Also a great person, Adam Conover. Oh my gosh, I love his show. Yeah, uh, Andrew Zimmern when he did that. Also, he gave me one of my favorite lines in TV when he went puffin hunting with a giant pole. Like here, puffin, puffin, puffin. <laughs> Please don't kill the puffins. He absolutely murdered them and ate them. No. Which is how we got porgs. No. Which you also eat. I'm not eating the porg. I mean, I do have my, my awesome friend Annabelle dresses up as a pork chef. So when she goes to conventions, she's like a fake chicken on a stick. Anyway, full support. Should we talk about the book now? Yes. So remember how we call it short story long this time? It's actually incredibly long because you know, Hamlet five act play. It's also Shakespeare's longest play and it feels like it. So buckle up buttercup. Hamlet. But I say Hamlet is a glorified grad student. He finishes school. Okay, so he finishes school. Um, he's returned to Denmark after the death of his father, King Hamlet. So hopefully that doesn't get too confusing. His mother is pretty much immediately married to his uncle, King Claudius, which I totally just wrote King Hamlet's brother. Hamlet Jr. is pretty sure there's something bad going on because his mom went from I'm so sad to I'm so married. Meanwhile, Denmark is kind of at war with Norway, and although Denmark defeated Norway, the country has kind of gone to Prince Fortinbras, who's better than Hamlet in every way and will be important later. He's fine. Bernardo and Marcellus are guards at the castle in Elsinore, and they're on their watch. Hamlet's friend Horatio, Hamlet Jr., friends Horatio shows up, and they all talk about this ghost that they saw. The ghost shows up, and it's King Hamlet. Hamlet Prime. Hamlet Prime. (laughs) The three promise to tell Hamlet immediately what they saw. The next day, the court gathers, and King Claudius and Gertrude talk about things going on with the kingdom with their old advisor, Polonius. Polonius, I I can't stand. That's a whole other story. Ma'am. Hamlet looks super miserable, and King Claudius advises that Polonius' son, Laertes, can totally go back to school in France. Claudius tells Hamlet to get over his dad's death and tells him he can't go back to school in Wittenberg. 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 (laughs) I am that person. You are that person. I appreciate that. They leave, and Hamlet talks about how shitty it is that his dad is dead, and his mom got married before the body was even cold, and he finds out about his dad's ghost and decides to go check it out. Laertes gets Laertes, sorry, gets ready to go back to France, and Polonius' dad gives him the longest dad advice speech ever, but with no dad puns. Ophelia, Polonius' other kid, admits that she's really into Hamlet, and Laertes tells, says to her, Please forget about him because he's totally a fool and he's totally just fucking with you. And her dad tells Ophelia to reject all of Hamlet's advances and return all his stuff. No lie detected. That night, Hamlet goes to the rampart to see his dad's ghost for himself. The ghost tells Hamlet Jr. he was murdered by Claudius and needs to be avenged. 
Hamlet says, okay, sure. And then the ghost kind of just disappears. Yes. Hamlet Jr. tells his friend Horatio that from now on, he's going to act a little bit crazy so he can plan his revenge. However, Hamlet is unsure if the ghost is even a reliable source of information. Let's pause here for a second. Why are we waiting so late to question whether a ghost is a reliable source of information? I mean, it's fair. Okay. Uh, so Ophelia goes to Polonius to tell him that Hamlet showed up at her ha- or at the house, half dressed and acting really freaking weird. Polonius tells her it's because Hamlet likes her. Uh, no, no. Lord Polonius says he'll set Claudius and Gertrude into the know, and he goes to talk to the king and queen. They're all welcoming two of Hamlet's fellow students, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Woo! The royal couple knows that Hamlet's been acting weird, and they ask them to figure out what the heck his problem is. Yes. Messengers from Norway find out that the king of Norway has told Prince Fortinbras to chill out and try not to restart the battles he's lost. However, Fortinbras has conscripted troops to march against Denmark. Norway says, don't worry about it. We'll send them to Poland instead. But they're going to have to cross Denmark to get to y'all. I don't think that's how geography works, but okay. Yeah. If you're looking at a map, it's like, um, uh, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Polonius tells Claudius his theory about why Hamlet is having issues. He tries to talk to Hamlet, but Hamlet pretends to be insane and treats Polonius like crap. When Rosencrantz and Guildenstern meet up with Hamlet, he realizes pretty quickly that they are spies for his parents. Hamlet just says he's upset, but won't give the real reason. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern invite him that they brought a bunch of actors they met while traveling. Hamlet asks them to create a play called The Murder of Gonzago, which is actually an existing play, but he edits it, which basically will be a play of the play of the murder of his dad to see what happy happens on Claudius's face. I love that you had heard in the title. <laughs> yes. Polonius decides to make Ophelia's re- or return Hamlet's tokens of affection, yes. as he had already asked her to do, and he's going to watch from afar to see how Hamlet responds. Hamlet gives his famous to be or not to be speech. When Ophelia shows up, Hamlet accuses her of being a slut and tells her to get to a nunnery, which in this case means a whorehouse, not an actual convent. Yes. Claudius is pretty sure Hamlet isn't in love. Took him long enough. Yeah. The royalty watches Hamlet's play, and when Claudius sees a version of himself pour poison into King Hamlet's ear, Claudius bails from the room. Hamlet's like, yep, we got him. Queen Gertrude calls Hamlet into her room to yell at him for being a dick to his stepdad. In the meantime, Claudius is talking about how he can't repent. He's having a hard time. <laughs> Hamlet sneaks up behind him while Claudius is praying, but he can't kill him because he realizes that if he kills him, he'll go straight to heaven, and he doesn't want that because he's praying. Hamlet and his mom get into a huge fight. He hears someone behind the curtain and stabs at the person thinking it's Claudius. Surprise! Polonius was listening in, and now he's toast. He sees his girlfriend's dad is dead, and he's really mad at his mom for being dumb and not realizing that Claudius is the total murderous villain. Hamlet's dad's ghost reappears and tells Hamlet he's done nothing right and he needs to give his life right. Gertrude can't see the ghost and is like, oh, my son is nuts as fuck. Yep. After Hamlet tells his mom to stop having sex with Claudius, he drags Claudius's body from the room because that's totally normal behavior. I mean, in, in comparison. In comparison. Hamlet makes jokes with Claudius about where he's hidden Polonius's body because, I mean, that's also totally normal. Sure. Claudius sends for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and says, uh, can you take Hamlet on a trip to England with this letter and, like, don't open it and ask the English king to execute Hamlet? This is a super healthy step-family relationship. Yes. Yes. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Ophelia is obviously beside herself with grief because her boyfriend killed her dad. She wanders around Elsinore. Laertes comes back from France to find his sister out of, his mo- of her mind and his dad dead. Claudius points all the fingers at Hamlet, but a letter arrives saying Hamlet is back in town. Claudius proposes that Laertes and Hamlet battle it out with fencing swords, but Laertes' sword will have poison on its tip. If that fails, Claudius will give Hamlet a cup of poisoned wine. Gertrude busts in saying Ophelia has drowned herself, and they aren't sure whether it was suicide or an accident. Spoiler, it was probably suicide. It was probably suicide. (laughs) Horatio gets a letter saying Hamlet escaped and hung out with some pirates instead of going to England. He returns with Horatio. Two gravediggers talk about Ophelia's death. Hamlet and Horatio have conversations where Hamlet picks up Yorick, his jester from when he was a kid, Skull, and Hamlet realizes that the funeral procession going on is for Ophelia and makes a big show about loving her. He and Laertes fight, like, over the grave, but it gets broken up. Yes, it does. 
Hamlet and Laertes battle, despite Horatio going, oh my god, please don't do this. Hamlet does. It is Ma- oh, they sorry, they, this is all having to do with the sword fight. They decide yes. to have the sword fight. They did decide um, to have the sword fight. Horatio is like, please, please, please don't do this. Hamlet's like, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight. And he does okay until his mom drinks out of the poison wine cup that's sitting there. Laertes hits Hamlet with a poison blade. They switch weapons and Hamlet ends up stabbing Laertes. Gertrude collapses. Laertes is in his dying moment, tells Hamlet that Claudius betrayed him. Hamlet stabs and kills Claudius with the poison sword. Horatio is like the only one who survives. He says he's going to kill himself by drinking the poison wine cup. But Hamlet tells him to live and tell his story. Fortinbras shows up and says that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern have died. And Horatio tells Fortinbras the whole story. Fortinbras takes the crown and orders a military funeral for Hamlet Jr. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I want to eat this bread. <laughs> I am exhausted. Okay. So basically, the whole point of the story is maybe don't be a dick. Well, maybe don't kill somebody's father. But also, this is one of those issues where, like, macro, just the comedy of errors. Just if anyone had just stopped for five minutes, just for five minutes, if anyone had stopped and actually got spoiler, when we get further down and talk about like interpretations and such, uh, John Green talked about that in Crash Course a lot, like who has agency and who doesn't. And I think like that's a more interesting idea about who has agency, because a lot of this just seems like very dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. But if they're dumb decisions being made consciously, then you have to give it. Like, and I mean, did you really think that Hamlet wasn't going to take the note from Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and read it and go, oh, my stepdad wants me to get killed? That's crazy. Let me rewrite this and shut it and give it to my friend. Right. Like, it just, there's almost like this unbelievability to it that just, like Romeo and Juliet, kind of takes you out of it. Because it's just, if any of you had just talked, if anyone had just talked, and like, just like the convoluted Scooby-Doo ass plans, like, we're going to have a play. Like, that's a... You're a fucking prince. Kill him. I'm trying to imagine these people, like... And, and I know John Green talks a lot about, you know, how Hamlet can't kill him because, well, you know, he's the king, and no matter what you do, that kind of is a big deal to kill the king. Sure. But I'm like, did, did you guys read Macbeth? Right. Like, and also, if this is set during another time, king killing kind of happens. Regicide happens. Would like to report the name of the king or queen who's being murdered. Oh, sorry, right? Like that's a thing that happens. That's not like a shoot. No one has ever. If we're I mean, if we're talking like just after a, if we're talking like just mm, this is Elizabethan, so this is still alive. Mm-hmm. No, this is is right in the middle of her reign. Okay, so a few years later, they England literally murders a king, Charles. I mean, for fun. Well, I mean, he did do some treason. He did some treason. He did. Do, he, he did do some treason. Uh, <laughs> he was the one that I was telling you about, where uh, he said that he wanted double shirts for his execution, so people wouldn't see him shiver. Whiny nipples for this king. I mean, it was like a weakness thing, but like, yeah, also that. Um, and we, they still have his shirt in the Tower of London. Give him his shirt back. What if he's cold in the afterlife? Too late now. Five hundred years later, really more like six hundred years later, crack open his coffin and throw in it like a like a polo. <laughs> um, I just imagine one of those Lacoste shirts with a little uh, crocodile on it. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I would definitely get like American Eagle or something, <laughs> like an Express button down, an oh, Express no. men button down. Get like a shiny yeah. one. Here you go, Charlie. Stay warm. <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> so what's interesting too is this play has a lot of stuff that as always with Shakespeare that the audience of the time would understand. There's a lot of references to mythology, a lot of references to political actions. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. We will? I will. Okay. <laughs> so there are many, many themes in this. There's too many themes. Too many themes. Um, the impossibility of certainty. So that's the whole thing with this, is that, like, we can never know for sure what is happening. Like, the whole thing with Ophelia. Was it an accident or was it suicide? We'll never know. 
I mean, we know, but. <laughs> did she slip on the tree branch? Like, did it break? Or did she, like, intentionally cover herself with flowers because she knew she was going to drown herself? Right. Um, or even just, like, Polonius and, not, sorry, Claudius and killing Hamlet Prime. Like, there's allusions to Hamlet Prime not being a great king. So is this a dude committing, like, a coup d'etat? There we go. Brief panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is this a coup d'etat scenario, or is this just, like, a murderous dude who wanted to kill his brother? Like, we don't know. Gertrude marrying Claudius. Was this a political maneuver? Was this love? We we, we just can't know. And as readers, we'll draw conclusions, because that's what readers do. Mm-hmm. But the text is intentionally ambiguous because, again, that's the point, is you as reader are meant to draw that conclusion. It also leads into the complexity of action. We see Hamlet quite a few times pull back and be like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, because what if this, what if this, what if this, what if this? And a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty he has about everything. He sees his dad, but is it really his dad? There's a lot of stuff, especially in that time period of the Bible, about you know the devil masquerading as an angel of light. Is this a demon pretending to be his dad? Is it really his dad and he has to actually avenge him? Or is this whole avenging thing a whole thing to get Hamlet in more trouble? Right. Like, realistically, we have no idea about this ghost because we're not meant to. Right. But this, this could be anyone. This could be some hobo down the street masquerading as Hamlet Prime. That would be amazing. It'd be like, avenge me. Right, just like some rando. Also, bring me a sandwich. Um, <laughs> you can't have any of our cheese. No, it's our cheese. There is also a lot of stuff about the mystery of death and what happens after. Um, there's the whole to be or not to be speech, where he goes into stuff about throwing off this mortal coil and what dreams may come and yeah, all that fun stuff. That eternal sleep. I mean, it's it's poetic. It's uh, it's it's weirdly poetic. There is this interesting idea of it, also the like because there's a ghost. It's a sort of almost allusion to like purgatory, where like as a ghost, you know, you can't move on. That true death should be peaceful. Should should end up, especially like in more recent supernatural studies, the idea of ghosts is very much like this is someone who is not at rest for whatever reason, be it positive or negative. So it can be somewhat positive of like, you know, hey, checking in on family or whatever. And then otherwise it can be like a revenant or something like that that's a lot stronger. And I I have some business to attend to, but I can't because I'm a ghost. I mean, I don't know. I've, I watch a lot of Paranormal Caught on camera and I have seen ghosts do some shit. I, I literally tell my coworkers every time I have to go to a meeting after hours, if I die, avenge my death. Oh, I say that a lot too. Yeah. I say that a lot too. So this is actually kind of going into the politics of the time. The nation as a diseased body. Yeah, I mean, this is, what, like the fifth time Shakespeare has done this? Mm -hmm. Where if you're going to make a commentary about where you live, don't set it where you live. Yeah, don't, uh, the the crass phrase, don't shit where you eat. Right. Um, Where, you know, he can see things not going well, so he puts it in Denmark instead of England, even though it is very much England. The behaviors are England. The descriptions are England. Right. The use of spies, which Elizabeth did. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's just, there's a lot that feels very, like, you could have just said this in England, but also if you're going to make a biting social commentary, fucking don't. Yeah. Maybe yeah. don't. Have some plausible deniability. Like, say, hey. Uh, but really not that much, because, like, even, even, like, a a concurrent reader of this would be, like, if you're going to set it in Denmark, why are all these names so English? Mm-hmm. Like, except for Hamlet, which we'll and talk Osric, about. But. Which we'll, we will talk about because this is some blatant uh, Shakespeare theft part two. He's really good at it. Uh, he's at it. He's at it. <laughs> family and its importance or lack thereof. So we see a lot of importance of the family unit where Hamlet has a lot of feelings about like his mom and his dad being dead and stuff like that. But not that much, apparently. Because he still has no issue stabbing his stepdad. like. And what's weird, too, is it's like he seems closer to his friends. He's closer to Horatio. He's closer to um, even the freaking guards who are telling him about his dad's ghost. Like, Right. Like, hashtag same. Like, 
that's where it's weird is because family does not seem very important to him except for when it is. <laughs> and you do tend to see that a lot with people when they lose like a parent is that like that one dead parent becomes like almost like a monolith mm-hmm. and then fuck anybody else. So like, I kind of felt this like, cause I felt somewhat similar after my dad died. Like my mom, I felt in my opinion was like too quick to date again, which realistically she probably wasn't. There's no way that you can say like how your body's going to manifest grief and loneliness and stuff like that. So and grief like, is different for everybody. Too. Exactly. So like I at 12 could have said, I think it's too soon for you to date, but that wasn't my call. And then similar resentments that I had towards the men that she dated of like, my father is not even cold in his grave. And it's like, shut up. You're 12. You, you don't have an opinion. So, and Hamlet's been gone for a long time, too. He's he has. At school. What was he studying? I want to know. I Just, really, I, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't politics. Was I was going to say, did he, like, go to school to, like, women's studies? Like, one of those, like, flowery degrees that sometimes men get. kind of wish now. He got a women's studies degree at, like, Texas Women's University. There's the theme of. When is it ever okay to murder someone? And how much murder is okay? There's a lot of murder in this book. Play. I know it's a play. In this body of work. Thank you. There's a lot of murdering. But the idea of, like, a justified murder, like, oh, this is vengeance. It's okay. Uh, Basically, this turns into Romeo and Juliet right at the end. Where it's like, I'm gonna kill the person who did the killing and everything's okay because killing. And it's like, but that just leaves a lot of bodies. That just leaves a very, very busy uh, gravedigger. Like, all this death doesn't solve anything. Does it? I will say, like, the gravediggers, you think they were like, fuck, yeah, we're getting paid so well. Are they, though? I don't know. It might just be slow. Is is Fortinbras paying them well for this? Hey, he was setting up the obsequies for uh, a royal funeral. That doesn't mean shit. The the gravediggers, I demand a union for these gravediggers. Were they pay- were they paid a fair wage? Probably not. Did they have protective gear? Bodies have a lot of stuff on them. Where is their union? Here's a bottle of wine, some bread, and some good luck. That actually sounds quite nice. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have very low standards. And that also ties into justice. Yeah, uh, that wonderful gift of Esmeralda and Hunchback Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? I love it. Um, Do you know what I was stealing, Amanda? Yes, I did. <laughs> Because I also stole it. Um, again, there's this huge concern about we have to write what was wrong. But again, like, we're talking about a time where, like, murdering a king is not that crazy. It's just not. Like, what is Hamlet so bit out of shape about? Like, kings die. Or, like, part of it, you have a lot of, like, shady friends on the side. He you does. went and hung out with pirates. Why didn't you just send some pirates to kill him? Like, you could have done this 60 million ways that didn't involve stabbing a bunch of folks. Also, like, the use of poison is kind of fascinating because, like, that's, like, an underhanded thing. Yeah. It's like, there's just so much poison and so much stabbing. Why? Stop. Just stop. All of you Stop. The importance or lack thereof when it comes to mom stuff. So, uh, frankly, stupid readers will say that this is kind of an Oedipal play. So Oedipal is like the Oedipal complex of uh, men having a hyperfixation on their moms due to ill, like latent sexual desire towards them, which goes back to some weird Freud stuff. Um, I think that's a very uninteresting reading, personally. I do agree with John Green in that. I think that's a very boring reading. Because uh, if, if that's the case then everything that anyone does is either tied to an Oedipal or Electro complex. Yeah, I'm, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Um, but I do think that that misogyny that Hamlet does have oh, for real? towards Gertrude and Ophelia, I think, is way more interesting. That this whole idea of you know his mom being very vilified for what probably was just a political move. Mm-hmm, because what is she going to do? Turn down the king? Right. She's been queen forever. She doesn't know any other life. Right. What is she going to do? Put herself in a convent? No. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, and I, mm, it's just such an uninteresting reading to me because like, I feel like the role of women in history is usually so flat, but there's not a lot of room for that nuance to look at. Like, this was just a political move. One that anyone would have made. 
if I had to shack up with some rando, but that meant that I get to keep being queen, obvious decision is obvious. But, like, that misogyny that Hamlet has, and then thus the reader internalizes. Royalty, thy name is woman. Yeah. yeah. Like, that to me is much more interesting than, than, like, chalking this up to, oh, well, he has an Oedipal complex. No, I think he's a raging narcissist and doesn't like women. There. Like, most guys who've been in college. Donde esta lie. <laughs> I like this. I think you added this one, yes? I did. Hamlet is the original emo kid. Did a lot of being sad and wearing all black, so I mean, yeah. That's why I'm in all black today. I was like, he's not cool enough to be goth. No, he's very emo. He has a lot of feelings. Like a Eric in Phantom of the Opera. Mm. It's just faffing around having a bunch of feelings. I like it. Like, I, I kind of... I don't know. I There's so much about Hamlet that I think is an interesting character, but it's just so badly executed with everything... Executed, bad pun. Um, <laughs> everything around him is just so bad. But, like, I would actually... Like, him just on his own soliloquying away, I actually think is quite entertaining. I would love... For him to have just continued to hang out with the pirates. Oh, yeah. Where's that side story? That would have been really Where's awesome. the Grindel for that? Right? Well, um, let's go write it. I say, it sounds like we have a project. Art as the source of truth. Uh, so we've seen this actually a couple of times in literature where we're going to use a play to like bring out the truth. Um, I think that's a boring-ass trope, frankly. Because, like, I don't know. This might be because I'm very, very Slytherin. Why would this affect you? And also, why would you fucking go? Part of me is like, wouldn't it be really funny if Hamlet started doing like all these like really sad paintings or writing really sad poetry? I mean, he I like amplifies like... it, does a portrait of his father in his own blood, and he's like, "This is for you, Claudius." Right? Like, I feel like there's far. Also, like, what? This is a dumb trap to me. Like, you're the prince. Just say, "I think this dude murdered my dad." That's not admissible in court. Like, I, I'm thinking of this, like, Law & Order SVU. I know it's not. But like, but, like, crying during a play is not admissible in court. If that's the case, I would way be in jail already. If emotional outbursts during a play is a sign of murder and or madness, I should be locked up. That's also just your Slytherin side. Incredibly so. So we need to talk about death as a symbol because it keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, we see the skull of York, which I actually hate. Really? Why did you dig up this dude and, like, why are you holding his skull? You don't own, well, you do own this person. But, like, not, a, there's no, stop that. Just stop that. I hated that. Like, that, that, like, viscerally bothered me. But a lot of it, the whole thing was, like, oh, we're digging this hole for, for uh, Ophelia. Oh, look, we found this skull. Stop playing with remains. Do you know that it's really hard to keep your parents' skull in the United States? There was a there was an excellent video that uh, Caitlin, yeah, so Caitlin, Caitlin did Dying. about that, and then um, they talked about it on the Dear Hank and John podcast as well because they mentioned uh, Mary Shelley having Percy Shelley's calcified heart. Yes, which we don't get to be that goth anymore. I mean, also like heart calcification isn't very common. No, so you know, also I think like modern crematory ovens that shit would burn. Yes. There is a bucket of things that doesn't burn, but that would burn. I have seen the unburnables bucket. Hip joint socket cup? Yeah. Uh, do I have to give context to that to the listeners? So, in the, crema in the cremation process, there are things that just do not burn neatly. And if your family requests those items, you can get those back. Um... But most of the time, like, no one wants grandma's fake knee. Most of the time. So it usually goes into a neat little bucket. And, like, it's a bucket of remaining human remains and, like, hip joints and breast implants. Those do not burn. No, those melt sometimes. Sometimes. The newer ones don't. Yeah, the older ones. Those, they're like uh, party poppers. <laughs> um, pacemakers explode in crematory ovens. That's why they're very, 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 very big on checking for pacemaker scars. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like a horrible explosion, but it's not fun. 
soft one to clean up after. No. Um, I did work in the death care industry for a while. I'm not just like a weird sociopath. I'm just a weird sociopath. No. Oh, I'm not. I'm not a sociopath. This isn't a Steve Moffat series. You're not a... <clears throat> yeah, I haven't been mislabeled as a sociopath or psychopath yet. We have to watch Dracula again. No, we don't. No, we don't. Our listeners want it. No! That was... What the... And the funny thing is, I have a bunch of friends who came back and said, I enjoyed it. And I was like... You have bad taste. We're no longer friends. I love you, but I feel like I just had to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Context. We did a live tweet of uh, Stephen Moffat's Dracula on Netflix. I mostly just responded to Amanda. I was there. There was, like, what, 50 tweets in that thread? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, God, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was so, so bad. Okay, back to the book. Back to Hamlet. So we already said that this is Shakespeare's longest play. Mm-hmm. It was. I don't think it's that bad, though. No. Um, this is also uh, some excellent thievery of Shakespeare by a guy named Saxo Grammaticus. Mm-hmm. So, wrote omelette. <laughs> Which is so much fun to say because it sounds like an egg dish, even though that's just the pronunciation. Yeah. Um, pretty much stole that entirely, similar to Romeo and Juliet. I guess he gets some points above Bram Stoker, but not that many. Not that many. As we already talked a little bit about, the play is set in Denmark, but it's really just an interpretation of Elizabethan England and its corruption. And the spies. Don't forget the spies. the spies. Including John Dee, who's the original 007. And uh, Christopher Marlowe, who Ooh. probably also wrote this play. Possible. Do we get to talk about that conspiracy? Go ahead. So there's been a conspiracy recently, in air quotes, that Shakespeare is a hack and didn't write any of his plays. And the idea is that Christopher Marlowe wrote them. I don't know how I feel about any of that shit. I do think that anytime, especially recently... It's easy to look at a great man and think that they're not that great. Like, there was a documentary I saw on Netflix that was uh, citing that Da Vinci wasn't that revolutionary. Because there are a lot of people in other parts of the world having similar ideas. Or even, like, before him were having similar ideas. We just focused on him. So there's a part of me that, like, gets where that's coming from. Because we do tend to focus on, like, one dude doing stuff. But I think that it's sort of disingenuous to say that Shakespeare wasn't greatly influential and important. That's at least my two cents on it. I mean, kind of a reminder, his plays at the time were treated like reality television. Yeah. Like, yeah, Elizabeth went to go see some of them, but it was really more designed for the rabble. It was more designed for the people who were the groundlings who mm -hmm. came in and this was their entertainment. It was why it was so easy to close theaters and things like that during plague scares or just when they got mad and the royalty said, let's close it down for a while. Or the church got weird about it. Right. Um, and the church did get weird yeah. about it a lot. A lot. Um, Shakespeare did have a son named Hamnet who passed away when he was, the son was very young. Um, historians mostly think it was just a coincidence because as we said, this play is very, very much based on a w original work from Denmark. Yes. So, there are a lot of phrases that you will hear on a day-to-day -day basis that came from this play. Uh, I wouldn't say day-to-day -day anymore, but you know. Okay, nobody says to the men are born, but... Okay, who, who, who is still talking like this? But cruel to be kind, the primrose path, neither are a bar nor lender be, more honored in the breach than the observer, or observance, which nobody really says. No. Uh, something is rotten. More things in heaven and her and earth, Horatio, which every time that's in a freaking book about the supernatural, I need you to know I stopped reading your book at that exact point. True. Um, time is out of joint. Brevity is the soul of wit. Frailty, thy name is woman. This mortal coil. Host with one's own petard. The lady doth protest, protest too much, methinks. I say that frequently. Um, there was one more that it just disappeared my head it's okay uh basically any pretentious guy you've met on a dating app has probably said one of these things murder most foul there we go there we go good job. trying to get it um something if you want to make your teacher really happy or just somebody at a party Horton brass is as 
is a very important character, even though he's barely in the book. Yes. Because he is considered to be a foil, which is a character who contrasts, usually with the main character, to highlight the qualities of the other character. Mm -hmm. So in this particular subplot, Horton Bross is better than Hamlet in every way. He's strong, he takes charge, he makes decisions quickly, and he does what he thinks is right without spending way too much time thinking about it or going back and forth about it. Here's the problem. Horton Ross is terribly written because we spend no time with him. Yes. So all of this stuff is told to us rather than shown to us, and he's mostly just some random LARP of an asshole who rides in out of nowhere taking charge. Oh, look! Everyone's dead. This is my kingdom now. Right, like, <laughs> I, I get where that's coming from, but it's so poorly done. Because we just don't spend time with Ford and Bross. We don't care about him. Like, if anything, I think the foil is Horatio. I love Horatio. Everyone loves Horatio. All right, so here's the thing. Most scholars of this play think it takes place around about six months. Uh, it starts with the murder of Old Hamlet in early September, moving to Horatio's encounter with a ghost around November 1st, which makes sense for certain holidays. Um, to Ophelia's burial, and then concluding with a sword fight on February 14th. Which was yesterday, which is why we're recording today. Aww, Valentine's murders. I mean, there was a Valentine's massacre. Yes. There were several. Evidently here, too. It's also a Lupercalia for the Romans. Let's celebrate a holiday by having naked men run through the street and slap women. They're not naked, they're covered in wolf skins. They're mostly naked. Yes. <laughs> But they are covered in wolf skin. And apparently the slapping women with, like, twigs was meant to make the women like them. What's weird, too, is if you read stuff about it, if a woman was already pregnant, it was considered to be good luck for the child. And I'm like, I don't think I want anyone slapping pregnant women with sticks. Personally. I'm not pregnant. Don't slap me with a stick. Yeah, I don't want to be slapped with a Especially stick. Especially if you're nude with a wolf skin on you. That's deeply Where are you finding wolf skins in Texas? Um, it'd probably be more coyote skin. That's not the same. <laughs> that isn't the same animal. Coyote Calia. I don't know. That, that, that sounds like a bad, like, that sounds like a horrible sports bar. Yeah, a horrible sports bar started by Californians, which then all te no Texans would go to. Exactly. All right. We spent a lot of time on Shakespeare's life in Romeo and the Juliet. The Romeo and the Juliet episode. <laughs> Because evidently I'm going to the Walmart. I don't know. Uh, we're going to look at interpretations instead. Yeah, so um, I took a literary criticism class because I'm officially that pedantic fuck. But you are a pedantic fuck. Uh, so I think that interpretive readings are way more interesting. Uh, so we're going to take a couple of lenses today. Uh, feel free to sound off on your own because there's like reader response criticism. There's like Russian formalism, which is boring. It's like formalism. Russian formalism is very, very boring. Uh... So I think today we're mostly going to do one more question. So oh, we found another question. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a feminist reading that we're going to go into. We're also going to go into a little bit of a queer reading because that's what we do. Starting with the feminist reading, uh, women have a lot of power in this, mostly Gertrude. But Ophelia also has a shocking amount of power, as in people do tend to listen to her sometimes. And also think that it's her that is uh, causing Hamlet to be crazy. Is it? I'm just saying, Polonius. Yeah, yeah. yeah was like, uh, okay, I don't agree with that one. It's your like, feminine wiles. He's yeah. clearly going mad for you. No, no, no. Also, there's this amazing section where uh, before Ophelia dies, which apparently we don't know if it was murder or not, or suicide or an accident. We don't know. We know. Um, there's this passage where she's giving out flowers to people, and it's very subversive and intelligent if you know anything about flower language, which most people don't anymore. Um, John Green covers it, and it's really, really good. I know some flower language, only because I am that petty asshole. Uh, flower language being a certain flowers mean certain things. Uh, there's also some great, if you ever do find yourself back on Tumblr for some reason, there are some great blogs dedicated to this, of, like, how do you make a bouquet for someone that you hate? So, like, you can give, like, orange lilies, which is, like, I despise you. Um, some modern witchcraft books will also have, like, flower language in it, which I think is phenomenal. I think, as a Southerner, that's one of my favorite things, is, like, how do I, in as beautiful as a gesture possible, express every negative feeling I've ever had about you? And please stop using cotton buds for decoration. If you use a cotton stock as a decoration, I will don a wolf skin and I will beat you with it. 
I just imagined you like running into somebody's house. Because <gasps> I, w- I, I I hate cotton stock as decoration. I was going to say there are entire stores in Savannah you would raise to the ground. Because it's Savannah. Uh-huh. I'm not shocked, but I'm angry. They do that here. I was getting uh, flowers before I visited uh, my parents. And they had these little, like, cotton stock. I'm just like, yeah, I'm chewing. Oh, I was like, uh-huh. is, is the ghost of Hamlet here? I wish. No. No, ma'am. Revenge my death. Hang on, let me get my SP7 box. Wait, I have Ghost Legacy Pro on my phone. Uh, but yeah, like, don't use cotton as decorations. Uh, so there are some feminist interpretations that you can take, which means that we really need to talk about Ophelia's death. Uh, I mean, this is a suicide. Can we just say that this was suicide? Well, even when they're in the, the graveyard and the clowns, as they were marked as, who are digging the grave, are like, I can't believe they're letting this person get buried here. Yeah, it's a suicide. Um, Because also, there's this weird aspect of it that if it was an accident, why is Gertrude just watching it happen? Thank you. Like, why is Gertrude just, like, standing there like a fucking voyeur? Oh, hey, she just fell in the water. And, like, describing it so lushly. Like, oh, and her clothes heavy with their drink. Like, bitch, help her. <laughs> like, 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 help her. <laughs> she's just sitting there like that Michael Jackson gift, like, eating popcorn. Right, like, just, what are you doing? Like, you could you could have saved her. I, I also don't think that she was there. I think she's, like, heard it. Somebody told me that you had a boyfriend who looked like a girlfriend. <laughs> like, I, I don't think she was physically there, but, like, if she is, like, why are you, why are you not helping her? Please, please step forward. Um, Ophelia's death is something that, um, it gets framed very, uh, romantically, which has been a stigma in feminist critical spaces for years, because there's already a lot of pressure on young ladies, and men are assholes most of the time. Where am I lying? I, I, there is no lie. I'm eating cheese. Uh Uh-huh. And especially if your boyfriend is weird like Hamlet. If your boyfriend is being as rude to you as Hamlet is being to He's also not your boyfriend. Bail out. Like, I also, I don't think that people read this, read enough into that. There's, like, nothing going on between them. That is an incredibly platonic relationship. Like, he used, according to the letters and stuff, he was writing a lot to her. Uh But at the same time, it's kind of like, this was considered to be normal behavior for men. Sure. Um, there has been this sort of, like, desire to make Ophelia's suicide this, like, act of rebellion and act of agency. I have issues with that. Uh, mostly just because I'm not fond of anything that glamorizes suicide. It's kind of like that movie Heathers. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. like that. Um, I love Heathers. You would. Of course I would. You would. Two seconds in, I'm like, wow, Christian Slater's hot. Oh. But, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's just a lot to deal with. Also, Gertrude is secretly a badass and you can't change my mind. I'm not trying to? I mean, I mean, you, the listener. Oh, okay. I know you already agree with me. <laughs> I mean, like, she, because she also commits suicide, essentially. Yeah. She knows the cup is poison, and, uh, when Claudia says, don't, says, my lord, I will, like, she just does it, like. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I have a feeling that if Gertrude didn't know that that was poison, <laughs> she probably would have been like, okay, why are you so weird about it? I mean, probably, but I think she knew. She had to know. So I'm not letting my kid drink this shit. Yeah, and then she died, uh, dramatically. I would like the record to state that the amount of swords on one side of the table is infinitely higher than the swords on the other side of the table. I need you to know that I have many, many swords. I have been eating a lot of cheese. <laughs> like, I would just like the record to state that on one side of the table, there is an exponentially higher number of swords. I'm building the Iron Throne! Okay. We're going to have to spray paint them. I know. Let's get some spray paint. They're the wrong color. <clears throat> Are we ready to go into some queer reading? All days and forever. Uh, there are some readings that Either Hamlet is gay or asexual, uh, mostly because his just utter lack of desire for anything. That could be the depression, but uh, 
Queer people, due to lack of representation, like to find representation where it may or may not exist. Also, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are married, and you can't tell me otherwise. Okay. <laughs> Clearly. Horatio was incredibly devoted to Hamlet. <clears throat> yeah, there was a lot of queer reading towards him as well. Of like, you guys might be more than bros. Which, I mean, I would ship that. On a pirate ship. <laughs> on a pirate ship. Yep. Shipping on a ship. Yep. So yeah, that's a, that's a very, very brief uh, queer reading. That like also like, his repressed feelings might lead might be leading to his ennui and emotional constipation. I love the word ennui. I also love the word ennui. We have listener questions. We do have listener questions. These are from Jessica. These are from Jessica. Was his mother's remarriage really any of Hamlet's business? What would have happened if he just decided to get a few more months of sleep instead of heading up to the or a few more minutes of sleep? Instead of heading up to the battlements at night. Uh, no. It, it, it really is none of his business. It's none of his business at all. No. Um, the The sad thing is, if he had probably just shut up, he probably still would have become the leader of Denmark. Not Denmark. Not Denmark? We'll fake Denmark. We'll fake Denmark, yeah. Yes. Like, eh, eh. I mean, it, to, to me, I have the same feeling about it as I do Romeo and Juliet. But, like, this is just so melodramatic, it takes me out of the play. Because, yeah, like, if he had just gone to bed, none of this would have happened. Get some fucking sleep. Smoke some opium. Calm the fuck down. This is literally none of your business. Go back to wherever you were. Go back to Germany. Well, his his uh, stepdad was like, you're not going back to Wittenberg. Good job. There, I did it. But, like... What was really going to stop him? Right. He's a rich nobleman. Like, right. no one's going to tell him no. Go go literally anywhere. Literally. He, I mean, like, he went and became a pirate. Go stay a pirate. Yeah, I don't understand why he wouldn't anyway. What was that stay aside, pirate. anyways? Where he goes to be a pirate for five seconds. I feel like this was a, I have to finish this play by Monday. So you throw in pirate shit? I mean, people liked pirates. Except the queen. He said, please, please stop. Also, uh, Francis Drake was a big deal about that time. Oh, yeah, too. But yeah, like, he could have literally, there's, oh my god, there's just so many other ways that this could have gone. Yeah, it's none of his business. Because, like, how old is Hamlet? So, I like this follow-up question, too, from Jessica. How determined was the ghost, demon, whatever, to get hold of, a hold of Hamlet anyway? I mean, maybe it would have gone to bother some other poor soul if Hamlet hadn't, had waited a day or two. As the ghost, like, doesn't really leave the battlements, like, if it had gone to Wittenberg, good job. There you go. Um, to to come find him, I would have been like, "All right, I totally see it." But I mean, we have proof that it can go different places because it even came to bug him in his mom's room and was like, "Hey, this is not what I asked you to do." Yeah, I mean, it does seem like a very, very determined ghost, and I do like that Jessica leads into this might not be like a force of good because I do like that reading of this is just like some devil fuckery. Which is Lucifer's middle name. <laughs> Where's there is no lie present. Uh, yeah, like it does seem very, very determined. But I guess like if I had been wrongly murdered, can you be rightly murdered? If I'd been I wrongly so. murdered, I would also be like knocking over small tokens, throw glass, leave doors open. Oh my gosh, he could have convinced Claudius that his dad's ghost was after him. Just wear a sheet and do some Scooby Doo shit. Yeah. But you gotta get that, like, running noise that they get. Yeah. Well, like, the coconut thing from Monty Python. Polonius would be like, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for these kids in this dumb Or just stab the guy. We we have swords. We have many swords. So we did have a follow-up one from Crystal, which is, what is the best adaptation? Crystal, I'm glad you asked, because we have a crap ton of adaptations of this play. And I think we have different ones. Yes. Um, There's too many fucking adaptations. There we go. Keeping in mind, also, Sons of Anarchy is an adaptation. Oh, oh that's, no, that's, that's cheating. That is cheating, but that's I don't... I, that's not my favorite one. Is um, it anyone's? A lot of people like that. Oh. Anyway, so there's a lot. Uh, we've got the weird Ethan Hawke one, where they tried to make it super early 2000s. <laughs> Lawrence Olivier. Kenneth Branagh's five-hour drama, where he gets carried out like Jesus. Mel Gibson and Glenn Close, and Helena Bonham Carter. Woo! Andrew Scott, the hot priest from Fleabag, and... What did I call Drag Queen Moriarty? Drag Queen Moriarty. Also, 
Isn't he the old? I love that that's your point of reference for him. No, that's the reference I have now. Exactly. But, like, that's the one that you consistently use. Andrew Scott, the man that I, I saw in a bar, but didn't realize it was him until after he walked out, and it, it ruined my life. And then my friend reminded me, don't worry, honey, he doesn't play video games. Is he hot? I think so, but I have a type. Um, Clearly. David Tennant and why is Captain Picard? Come on, brain. Why can't I think of his Patrick name? Stewart? Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, <laughs> that is my personal favorite. Okay. I'm not mad at you. Okay, I'm not angry with you. The GD Lion King. You can say goddamn. No, I can't. Well, I did. Um, John, I do I do call that one Lion Hamlet now. John Wilkes Booth evidently did a version before he assassinated Lincoln. I'm not shocked. He wasn't a good actor, though. Um, there's a lot of different versions on Amazon Prime, and then there's the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Which one is your favorite? So I actually did not hate the Cumberbatch one, except for the clothes. Because they tried to make it modern, but it's like everyone had, like, escaped a Hollister. <laughs> it looked like everyone had just, like, fled a Hollister that was on fire. I still, to this day, don't know how my teacher got away with us watching Kenneth Branagh's version. Um, it has... Why is my brain so broken today? Is it the is it the coconut rum? It's not the coconut rum. I wish it was. Is it all the cheese? Uh, Rose DeWitt Decatur from Titanic. How come I can remember that? Hang on. I'm going to look it up because it's going to piss me off. Is this like Willem Dafoe? No. You can do it. I believe in you. It's really making me mad. Why? Kate Winslet. Where is my brain? Oh my gosh. Okay. I've been carried away with all the cheese swords. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. The cheese is it's clogging my brain cells. It's like, you've had so much cheese. What is wrong with you? <laughs> all right. So, yeah, there's a lot of versions that you can watch. Um, I, I kind of recommend not watching the Ethan Hawke one anymore. Okay. Um, the Cumberbatch one, I think, is good. Uh, if you want to borrow my David Tennant version, I'm sorry, you can't. Uh, <laughs> are, we, are we starting a book club? Are you mailing it out to listeners? Hell no. Okay. It's on Amazon. So, did we have to read this in school? Obviously, yes. Of course we did. Um, I read it before we read it in AP English senior year. I was a super overdramatic goth kid, so I pretty much memorized to be or not to be by that time. I don't um, think that's my favorite part of this. Yeah, there's there's better parts. Um. I actually went to the Globe Theater and bought one of the little tiny leather versions of it, carried it in my pocket like I was a cool kid. No, not cool. Not a cool kid. I mean, that's fine. Uh, yeah, of course, I had to do this. I uh, had to do the monologue a few times for uh, theater and stuff. The line that always stuck with me, though, was her She was like, good night, sweet prince, and may flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. Which is used in an interview with a vampire. Shocking. I know. Like, that's always the one that I I think I appreciate more. It's really good. I think that that's so sweet. And also very gay. It's... Mm. Is this a Don't Ask All Lie moment? I'm sorry. There is not two heterosexual men that I can imagine that would hold the other in death sweetly to thine bosom and speak such a beatitude. What bros are doing that for each other? What Jersey, sh- what Jersey Shore bros are doing that for each other? I want to hear from the bros who do this. If you are a platonic set of heterosexual bros who would be willing to do this, I would like to shake both of your hands personally. Please. Please. All right. So, as usual, we have a lot of resources. Do we? I I think so. Yeah. Well, I guess less than last time. Let's but... say, like, do we know? Um, Wikipedia, thank you for helping me structure my thoughts. You're welcome. Uh, Thug Notes, as always. Mm-hmm. Crash Course has a two-parter. Yeah, I think uh, there could be some deeper analysis, but I get where John Green is going. I don't know, remember which one this is. Oh, oh Crash Course! Um, so we've got that one. Okay, I just Crash. put both links in there so I I'm can find it. I'm not angry with you. Um, there is a really good version from the TED Talks about why you should read it. There is a really good version of TED Ed literature. There is a website that I found called aplithelp.com. Dude, 
I wish we'd had that. Yeah. Maybe it was there and my teacher just intentionally never told us. Um, also, the book Reviving Ophelia talks a lot about why you should not support the concept of romantic suicide. Yeah. Uh, especially in women. Yeah. Reviving Ophelia, I think, is like, you want to talk about feminist theory, that's one of the books that you should read. Um, also, it's great when you have a soon-to-be teenage girl in your life that you want to make sure that they don't lose all of their confidence within five minutes of turning seven. It also makes you hate everything that you had to read as a child. Yeah. Yes. So what are we reading next? We are reading Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I am moderately excited. I'm actually really excited because it gives me an excuse to rewatch the movie. You just want to watch the movie. I do want to watch the movie, but I will read it as well. This has been an entire endeavor of Tori wanting to watch movies that she hasn't seen in a while and eat cheese. Yes, in- entirely. And drink alcohol at like noon on a Saturday. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to feel taken for a ride here. Literature and day drinking? I mean, like, that's that's my life goals. I'm not hearing a negative. Yeah. And uh, drinking a lot less on our podcast. We actually made a mocktail for my kid tonight, so or today. <laughs> what day is it? I don't even know. And there were no fireworks this time. Yes. Praise be. So we are all over social media. We indeed are. You can find us on Unfortunately Required Required Reading on Facebook. Unfortunately RR on Twitter, which Amanda Mans. I do. Um, unfortunately Required on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And our website, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. So if you just want to go there or you want to figure out where the link is for Redbubble, if you want to buy stuff. Please buy stuff. Um, if you want to suggest a book for the podcast or have a really funny story or want to tell us that we're pretty. Uh, <laughs> Do I not tell you that you're pretty enough? No, I'm just saying that, like, I think that never mind, we're done. Okay. Unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. If you would like to continue to support your two favorite drunk Slytherins and our uh, addiction to cheese and alcohol, please consider giving us a sponsorship over on Anchor. Anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. Now, for the love of all that is good and holy and still upon this mortal coil, go read a book. <laughs>